Namaste and thank you so Namaste. much. Uh, thank you. That was lovely. I would say you know in the past I struggled a lot with both of them like my self awareness and probably more my self assurance. But I think now I'm in a place where my self awareness is is high. Um I mean, I would say like, I, I would definitely give myself maybe a hundred percent if that being, you know, having a little humility for sure. But I, I definitely have, I definitely have the awareness of everything that I do and think and feel, but then if my self-assurance kind of can maybe move around depending on, you know, what phase I'm in, what situations I'm in, um, my my job my my roles my responsibilities because sometimes I, I do struggle still with you know trusting myself and having the confidence to like go about what I'm doing in a in a way that you know I, I have faith in in myself but um for sure it's come a long way I mean I think I, I have a lot more self-assurance than I did in the past because of my self-awareness so Perfect start. I've just scribbled all of that down. What about you, Kranti? Okay, so I like to tell you about my self-assurance and self-awareness. Uh, yes, in the beginning, you always struggle for your self-assurance because it takes a little time to trust your own gut feelings, your power of trusting. And once you start trusting your own powers, you have it. You you are a powerful person. Once you trust that, self-awareness comes along with it. So it's like you cannot bring the revolution to the outside world. You have to bring the revolution first inner side, inside. It's like once you bring the inside revolution, it's automatically the outer revolution is happening. You know, mm. when, when you go around surrounding us people are getting inspired by you so the first you have to work on your self-assurance bring the revolution within you and then it comes automatically with the, it convert into the self-awareness mm-hmm. yeah that, that's it's fascinating both of those answers really and obviously i've i've done three of these recordings now and when asking the same question to each set of people nobody's mentioned trust Whereas that that was basically the first mm. two things both of you said right off the gun. It's just like this this trust thing um, was perhaps the first word you said alongside self assurance. Do you have any idea why you both might have said that so instinctively? Does does, does does a thought come to mind about why that was so important? I think the first word that came to my mind was trust because, you know, self assurance is all about like ha- having the ability to assure yourself rather than relying on like the outside sources or external validation. And I think because of that, you know, you really have to have this 
this level of trust because there, there's going to be so many people telling you like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You should be doing this or, or doing it this way. But it's like when you have your this self-assurance that, you know, you're doing what's right for you and and you're on your own personal journey, then it's almost like you you trust yourself before you trust anyone else. And I and that's what it takes to have that self-assurance is having faith and trust in yourself and in your own discernment and and that's probably why I thought of the word trust first is because sometimes I do have a hard time trusting myself and my intuition and and it comes with putting myself in situations I've never been in before and like doing it and being like wow I can do this so and Prakanti maybe let's hear what she has to say yeah so I felt it that uh, trusting yourself is the most important part because most of the time uh, in outside world, there are lots of things are constantly going on. Nowadays, we have more options, okay? And uh, more desires, more options are there. And because of that, sometimes you lose your own path where you want to go because there are many ways you you can go to the left you can go to the right somebody says oh kranti kusko is nice you know constantly <laughs> when we are traveling there are lots of desires are on the way you know that very well yeah so constantly these are things are going on in our life but once you trust once you understand your own nature of your mind okay what is it and once you stick with it it moves, you know, you don't have to get distracted. Mm. So first it starts within yourself. Mm. So for that, you have to trust yourself. Yes. Yeah. Again, two, two lovely answers. Uh, the reason for mm. my um, asking that question was that in the last podcast, when I framed the same question, um, one of the uh, brilliant music teachers and performers that I was talking to put it back on me and said, well, it, it's a slightly definitional thing. How would you define self-awareness and self-assurance? And I, I then turned it back on him and said, well, uh, for the sake of this conversation at this time, I'm happy with whatever you feel, however you would define them, because that lends itself to the conversation. But then obviously since recording, I was like, well, I probably should have a definition <laughs> for both of those things yeah. if I'm going to um, claim that that is kind of this mission I'm on to try and help people with those things. So on one of our many long bus journeys, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was I was sitting there trying to think about it. And my one for self-assurance was con complete contentment without attachment to or dependence on any conditions. And mm. um, I then obviously then framed a load of different conditions that people tend to rely on for their sense of self-assurance. Um, and I I've not written the word trust in there at any point obviously to some degree it's included within that sense of contentment because maybe your own personal contentment speaking outwardly to you both is you know is encapsulated by this sense of personal trust but i was like oh crap maybe i need the word trust in there <laughs> because it seems to be yeah. key to these very wise happy people um that you know uh, and i've not got it in there at all um but to say that out loud to you does that sound like a so um a definition of self-assurance that you could that resonates that contentment without attachment piece i think that resonates because for me it's like it, it, when you when you think contentment without attachment I think like contentment without attachment to like other people's you know expectations or judgments of myself because a lot of the time it's really you know we do things because we we think that other people 
want us to do them or we think we should do them. So it's like, we're not content until we, A, are successful in the eyes of other people or we make people happy or we, you know, but it's like at the end of the day, can I be content without having that attachment to have approval from other people, but just that like approval and trust and confidence in myself. That's the only like thing that I should be focusing on to bring me that contentment. Did that so example, I, I think that makes sense. Did, did that example of other people's expectations come to your mind? Because that's maybe the bit that you're most attached to in your own self-assurance. Well, that's the bit you find most difficult. Is that why that came to mind? Do you think? Wow. <laughs> well, no, I think it's also like just the expectations, you know, of that like society puts on us, like de depending on the culture we grew up in. And mm. so, yeah, I it, and a lot of those expectations are based on like other people and not ourselves. So I think now because I'm living a life that's really, you know, not a lot of people are doing, you know, traveling, teaching yoga. And it's like you have to have the sense of like self-assurance because no one else it's not a lot of people take this path, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what I thought of. I thought of almost like the expectations of other people. And I, I can, I can say that, it, you know, in the past and even now, sometimes I still think about like, Oh, what's my family going to think what, you know, so it, it's normal and it's a part of being human and being on this journey. So, yeah. I would like to tell you about the expectation, which I learned in Vedanta. Uh, so when I travel, I literally follow this philosophy. I try not to preach, but I follow myself. So wherever I travel, I go without any expectations. Literally, even I don't search anything. I never Google it. <laughs> so for example, when I came in um, Peru, one of my friend, uh, Indian friend, she's working here in Peru. And she asked me, where you are working? I said, I don't know where I'm working. I have to Google it where I'm working. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's the way. And uh, then they say, oh, you're working in Tarapoto, example. In Tarapoto, there's a Moya Bamba, it's the city, and I got to know everything. But then I learned that what happens with the expectation. So before coming to Tarapoto, I was traveling with my two friends. One is from India. I met them in Senegal, and one is from Spain. So we both are three of us traveling to Cusco. And, uh, you know, we did it Arequipa, Punto, uh, Machu Picchu and somehow one of my students few years back three or four years back she told me about the seven colors of mountains and uh, and I just said okay seven colors of mountains and somehow my both friends said that Kranti we cannot go to the seven colors of mountains because it's high attitude I we cannot walk Kranti blah 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 I said okay and this, this is the way I always travel God plan is perfect if it comes on my way I'm going to accept it. If not, I'm not going to have any regrets or any attachment to, oh, I have to go to the seven colors of mountains. Yeah, yeah. And somehow it, it really happened, the story that when, while coming from the Machu Picchu, so there are four seas. So there was one guy was sitting next to us and he was just talking about his traveling plans and blah, blah, blah. He did this, this, this. And then he told me that tomorrow I'm going to seven colors of mountains. And my both friends said that, that Kranti, you have a wonderful opportunity. If you like to go, you should grab it. And I said, okay, I grabbed it. Uh, and it happens, it's on my way. But just imagine if I have expectation coming to Peru and going only the seven colors of mountains, example. So what is going to happen? Maybe I get Machu Picchu, I get Likitos, I get uh, 
Cusco, Arequipa, Punto, Moyobamba, okay, many places. But my mind is always agitated. Yeah. I didn't go to the seven colors of mountain. And I'll not appreciate what I got total in my Peru trip. So this is the way our expectations, you know, it's always, we don't appreciate what we get it because our mind is always stuck with that expectation. So I traveled without any expectation and God plan is perfect. Yeah. This is the two philosophy I travel. Amen. I, I think I think that expectation piece is something that I don't know if I was lucky enough to get told as a child. But when your parents or grandparents say that, you know, have low expectations, have no expectations, as a kid, you're like, what? Well, that doesn't seem like very fun. That doesn't seem like a very enjoyable or you're curtailing my own excitement here about this one thing you know uh how dare you do that but in hindsight obviously it's extremely wise and, and a thoughtful thing to say because you know it, it it will betray your presence and you know these this image you affect in your mind no place can really ever live up to that so you're <laughs> you're destroying it at the same time um but just to touch on something else you've said there Cranty, um you've uh use the frames of like uh, trusting in God's plan or having this kind of trust that if it's going to, if I'm going to go, it's going to work out. Like things will just be okay, regardless of whether I really steer them or whether I just let go entirely. Um, I can guarantee that there will be people listening to this um, podcast that will find themselves at the other end of that spectrum where you know they feel that every situation in life is one that have to have they have to control a lot they have to be very aware they have to be thinking ahead all of the time because otherwise you know life doesn't feel very comfortable and obviously you're in a place where you've got a great deal of comfort you know just letting go what would you say to that person that was trying to control and steer everything versus just trusting yeah okay so i always uh, tell people that Everybody wants to be happy either in the future or in the past. Nobody wants to be happy in this moment. Okay. Mm. So everybody says that, oh, I'll be happy if I have my own yoga school example as a yoga teacher example. And some people say, oh, I'll be happy when I get married. Oh, I'll have a nice house on the island. I'll be happy. So everybody's constantly uh, their attention in the future or in the past because there's so much space. But the present moment is the most important moment. Okay. And uh, I feel like that once you have that trust, it doesn't matter. You have to trust only on the God. Okay. You can trust on the universe. You can trust on the five elements. There are many things you can just have a faith and trust. And God has a perfect plan. And because everything happens in your life is because there is some reason why you don't respect that and why you want. So I always say, you're going to always get what you deserve, not what you desire. Mm. Yeah, well, do you have a follow-up to that, Alina? Or... Yeah, I mean, I like I agree, you know. I For me, like the, from my experience, I would just say that there's so many situations that I look at in the past, like just in the past few years where I'm like, wow, if that one thing didn't happen, and even in that moment in 
the past, I thought it was like the end of the world. Like I thought, how am I going to move on from this? And I was like, but if that thing didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So I always just look at it. It's like this like chain of events that it's like, you know, nothing ever is going to last forever, no matter how good it is or how bad it is. It's just like our own judgments that we put on it. So it's it's kind of keeping that in mind and, re- and telling yourself every day that, you know, every little thing is going to bring you where you're supposed to go. And it's all, and this is really cliche when I say this, but it is, it is about the journey and it's, it's not about one final place that you're going to go. It's about everything that you're going to learn on the way and just trusting that, you know, you might fail, you might have to try again multiple times. You might have to change your path completely. And, and it's all, as Kanti says, it's all a part of God's plan. And I think it's perfect, you know, because you that's how you learn and you grow and and you see what you want and and what you need yeah, yeah. no it's, uh, uh, there's an unbelievable amount there um but um the thing i want to touch on most is um yeah i felt it keenly in my own life too as i've engaged more and more with meditation and you know um stoic appreciations of like what it means to be in the moment and you know more buddhist or um you know different schools of thought but i now see the present moment as this unbelievable refuge and sanctuary from anything else that you know all of my suffering is by looking too far you know into the future or too far into the past so if i can if i can be here it feels like the most serene safe powerful space in the world um but then i i know that in uh, when mara joined you in uh, moyabamba and i'm sure you see it in every school you've done before her group or afterwards that there's everybody has this different um place that they're on on their kind of presence journey some people will lean into the meditation and you know will be there and will enjoy it some people that they'll really be kind of kind of antsy and really struggle with that how do you coach someone through being at a difficult place on that kind of present mindedness to a really strong, calm place. What, what in a practical terms? All right. So I always tell when the meditation starts, uh, guys, enjoy the process. Mm. Don't get attached to the outcome. What is going to come? Yeah. And I always tell, don't think with the meditation, you're going to have a peace. You're going to have a joy. I sorry I use this word, but that's the way it goes. Sometimes you're going to look your own shit, what is going on in your life. Okay. Sorry to say this, but no, that's you know, fine. Maybe, swearing is allowed. Uh, maybe <laughs> you're like angry, you have a shame, you have a guilt, you know, you're constantly worried, agitated. There are many things constantly going on. And mind is always, if I tell you right now, don't think about the monkey, you're thinking only about the yeah, monkeys. Yeah. That's the way our mind is. So just enjoy the process and whatever outcome comes that is meant for that meditation. Uh, So I just did the meditation and many people came and said that Kranti, I'm feeling very angry right now. I said, this is the part of the process. Let it come because what happens, uh, the conscious mind and subconscious mind so, for example, if Mara tells me, hey, Kranti, you're a very good teacher. And then if suddenly my ego gets like a balloon yeah. and Alina says, Kranti, you still have a long way. You know, I don't think so. You know, whatever you preach, you don't follow, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly I dump in my subconscious mind. So what happened in the subconscious mind? You dump many things. Sometimes like 
Okay, example, the situation of the corona. Right? Many people were angry with the situation and they dumped in the, their subconscious mind because yeah. whatever going on in the world. So all these, the many activity which we cannot handle it, we cannot manage to handle, then we dump it in the subconscious mind. And then what happens? Subconscious mind has to take care of your all internal organs and they have overload. And then maybe you start having some heart problem or asthma or respiratory problem or diabetes and blah, blah, blah. So with the meditation, actually, whatever things you suppress inside, okay, in your subconscious mind started coming mm. up. Okay? And once you take it out, you know, once you just imagine every day you clean your house, you take your dirt out every day. It's like every day you're cleaning. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay? Your spiritual body, your mental body, your energetic body, okay? you're cleaning that body. And then whatever comes is a part of that process. So now, yes, many times I told also Alina, uh, whenever I do meditation, yes, sometimes I feel very peaceful, sometimes joyful, and sometimes I just feel very tired or I feel I have a lots of inertia still. So these are the things I, I experience. Yeah. I just want to say also, like, are you, you want to so add yeah, No, no, no. Done. No, because you made me think. So also, like, another thing that I say to my students a lot is just, like, coming into the mindset of the of observer. So it's like, you know, that's a big part of these practices is like not identifying with our thoughts and our emotions and what we're experiencing, but just simply just observing them. As Kranti says, it's like some days you're going to feel peace. You're going to feel bliss. Some days you're going to feel so agitated. You're not going to want to stay in a, in a meditation. Some days you're going to feel really emotional. So it's just about observing it. And I think that's the the resistance a lot of people have with doing meditation, especially like a meditation that's different than what they've normally done is they're they they don't know they're scared what's going to come up and they don't want they don't think it's going to be easy for them to like have no thoughts but it's like the point of meditation is not to clear your mind it's to no. observe what you're experiencing you know and so it's like just not attaching and not identifying with the thoughts but just observing them because the only way to kind of release and to get through something is to feel it and to really like hear it and experience it so that's for me what meditation is like it's not about clearing my mind completely and if that happens awesome but it's just about like actually listening to what's going on up there because we just we so easily distract ourselves so it's like we actually don't know what we're feeling or we're thinking yeah which in my mind raises a similar question to the one I just framed in terms of like some people like yourselves are very trusting that life will play out in a certain way, a way that you can accept and embrace. Some people feel like they have to steer, you know, acceptance is, it falls in a similar way. Some people struggle with acceptance because it's as if they're um, condoning what's happened. If it's like they're pretending to be happy with what's um, gone on in the, in the past, you know, again, how would you, or do you, um, manage and deal with people who you know aren't on your level of um, awareness of the power of acceptance and more objective observance of your own life and mind how do you kind of like shape those people so that they are better observers and, and acceptors i always say people whatever happening in your life at this moment is because of your choice 
Okay. Talking about intellect lots of time. Uh, so many of the time we don't use our intellect. Intellect means uh, having the ability to take the decision. Okay. So mind is constantly, see the mind is like all the five senses are constantly taking them out. Okay. So, but intellect controls that five senses, you know, the control the mind and through the mind, you can control your five senses. So whatever happening in your life, if you are miserable at this moment, it's because of your choice. If you're peaceful at this moment, it's because of your choice. Okay? Only we don't use the intellect and all the consequences we get it along with it is because of me. It's nobody's responsible for it because I chose. So for example, I chose, I took a decision to come to Peru. I took a decision come to Moyabamba. So whatever consequences happen, I am the responsible for it. Nobody else. So even relationship also, I chose to be with this XYZ person. Yeah? And so when that XYZ person is there, so all the people like to accept only the good part in that person and they like to change the other side. But no, you have to accept the both, good and bad. Yeah. You cannot cut one half. For example, if I like Alina, I have to accept Alina with her good and with her bad. I cannot cut Alina mm -hmm. and just take her good things and leave her bad. <laughs> so this is the way. And it comes, eventually it starts coming. It really took such a long time for me to digest these things. Uh, I understand it's not that easy. Seeing is very easy. Following, it's take time, but you take conscious effort. Yeah, you bring that awareness constantly. You are alert and aware. And once you start bringing that awareness, it starts coming. It becomes the part of your body. It becomes a part of yourselves. It becomes the part of your own breath. Mm. And it's simultaneously kind of quite an alarming, uh, arresting idea as it is an empowering one. It's like, well, well, what do you mean? I'm the person that's, you know, uh, through my choices or perspectives uh, are making myself unhappy. You, you, you can look at that and go, oh, no, that's not good. But equally, if it is you, then you're the one with the power to discard and reframe everything that's, that's happened. You know, it's quite a, it's a, it's a stoic idea, I think, that, that Marcus Aurelius said, you know, my, my anxiety is mine, so therefore I have the power to discard it. And it's something I think about quite a lot, that it's, it just exists in here. So if I can reframe yeah. a, a situation and then kind of take some breaths and discard it, then I find it unreasonably helpful a lot of the time. But again, I think we're we're slightly more um, further down on this journey than most people. Um, some people would find it, you know, they wouldn't want to accept the idea that they were the person making themselves miserable because they'd see it as this other person or this situation or this trauma or this thing. And they obviously they play a role in dictating our mindset. But again, it's it's quite a journey to go through from really attributing your misery and suffering to something else and realizing that ultimately it manifests in here. And this is a space that you control. Yeah. yeah. One thing last I want to tell that the one Swamiji always tells, and I really like, I appreciate that what he said. Everybody comes to me and they talk about it. I have a problem with my wife. I have a problem with my kids. I have a problem with my job. But nobody comes and tells me I have a problem with me. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So actually it's problem with you because you don't know how to assist it.
Yeah? So, for example, all the dualities, you know, all the human beings are actually suffering or they're miserable because of the dualities. When the summer is hot, they like to be cold. They complain. Okay? Oh, the summer is too hot, too hot, too hot. They want summer should be like a winter. Winter should be like a summer and rainy season should be like a dry. Okay? It's not going to be possible. Just imagine I change my perspective. Yeah, it's the summer. I accept. I accept it's the summer. Yes, I'm going to feel hot. It's normal. I'm going to feel sweat. Okay, I'm going to get a little bit irritated. Sometimes it happens because weather does a strong impact. You know, like you know that the weather has a strong impact on the human beings. You know, but once I accept, once I know how to assist with the heat, then my life is easy. The same with love and hate. These are the same. When you are in love, everything is like, looks so beautiful. You cannot sleep. You know that when we are in love. And the same person, after a few years, we hate somehow, okay? And the same person, we start talking about, oh, he is like that. He is this and that. The same person, in the, when you are in love, he's the most amazing man of my life. And after a few years, oh, this man is not right for me. No, it's just the way, way I look yeah. at it. Yeah. So once I know how to assist with all the dualities, my life will be easy and it, I'll have a more peace. And that peace comes within. I cannot expect the peace from Alina or from Mara or Carolina. I cannot yeah. expect that. It should come within me. Yeah. I'm going to add mm, something because I actually, I just taught a lecture like yeah. last week about the five kleshas and and the kleshas, it's like in yoga philosophy, it's it's basically the things that bring us suffering, you know, in this existence. And it's funny because I've always known this and I've learned about it, but like I've just refreshed my memory while teaching because, of course, when you teach, you know, you're you're learning. But it's like the last, the raga and dvesha. And I can't remember the names, but raga is like our attachment and then dvesha is repulsion. So raga essentially is like when we can't get the things that we desire and, you know, when we can't get the things that we are attached to, we suffer. Mm -hmm. And then raga is the opposite. So raga is when we can't avoid the things that either bring us discomfort or pain, then we suffer. So it's like, you know, it's those two together. It's like when we can't get that pleasure and when we, yeah. we can't experience bliss and peace and happiness and joy, we make ourselves suffer because we think that we should be experiencing that. But then also on the other end of the spectrum, we try to avoid the things that bring us discomfort and pain or any type of thing that we don't want to feel, whether like she said, it's the weather, it's too hot today, it's raining or, you know, something. We just find a way to complain. And it's like, because it's something that's not bringing us pleasure. So we make ourselves suffer. So like, it's basically what Kanti was saying is we constantly give our power away and it's like yeah. our peace is not it shouldn't be relying on what is happening outside of us because in that case we're never going to find peace yeah mm. the peace happens within us and then everything else quote unquote falls into place because nothing is ever going to fall into place life is always changing and moving we just have to like find peace with it yeah and it's like i say this as a, someone who is also on the path and it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm learning and, and I am constantly being met with situations that I have to like ask myself like, okay, Alina, you can either suffer or you can practice what you preach. And like, I've been in those situations so many times and 
you know, I'm not perfect in any way. And I'm, this is, these are things like that I constantly remind myself of, especially now that I just taught this lecture. It's like a, it's a constant refresher of telling ourselves it's so easy to blame things on other people. It's so easy to play victim, but that doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything until we like take responsibility, accountability, and have that self-assurance to actually like, find peace finally within ourselves and stop giving the power to anything outside of us. Mm. Yeah. I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going to come back to the idea of suffering um, because it was quite influential in the sets of more yoga specific questions that I've prepared. Um, But to that (laughs) idea that, you know, in the moments that test you, Alina, and I'm sure the same applies to you, Kranti, you have these um, phrases or thoughts or mantras that you will just use as little prompts to get you to think more clearly is the one you just said a super common one for you or do you have a ever more common like you know just little prompts and uh pattern disrupts that you say to yourself um I think for me so I'm a very like intuitive like I'm very you know I'm I I'm a very flowy person so I, I think I don't always think with like my logical mind. I'm more like on my feminine side. So I feel for me, it's different every time. And a lot of the time, it's not always like a word or thought that gets me out of it. It's more of like a practice. Like, Mm. you know, either I have to stop what I'm doing and like, just like listen, like I said, like making that space to like observe what I'm feeling, come back to my breath. Um, And also for me, a big thing is like coming back to my body because a lot of the time we spend so much time in our head like I'm speaking for myself I spend so much time in my head and 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 not enough time like actually in my body so I, I in those moments when I'm just like letting my my whatever suffering or thoughts emotions control me I just kind of have to step back and either step into my body or like my breath or come into a practice and it's different every time but it's not so much like a word or a phrase that I use it's it's more a practice like it's a practice because that's the way you kind of apply it is by practice. And, and some days I'm, I'm better and faster at like getting myself out of that state place and into the parasympathetic nervous system. And some days it's harder, you know, it's, it's, it's all a practice and we don't practice to like, to like be perfect. We practice just so that we can handle things better and and get stronger. Mm. So yeah, we handle yeah. the things with more awareness, with more alertness. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I but I love that. Even the moniker of just stop and listen as a pattern interrupt, as a way of settling down. I, I think there's a uh, some kind of quote from the famous mass, mathematician Pascal who said that, you know, the, the bulk of human suffering could be avoided if everybody could sit in a room in silence for two minutes you know because people don't don't come back to that san- that bit of sanctuary that you can get by just stopping listening mm-hmm. and then suddenly whatever was really aggressively getting your emotions het up moments ago before suddenly just dissipates you've just let the some of that energy those vibrations subside you know and that's you, you've not had to say anything to yourself You've just had to be aware enough to stop. <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, I love that. Even that is super powerful. Um, yeah. And it's, it ties into everything you've been saying, you know, like it just takes that awareness. And like I was saying, like just to be the observer rather than attaching to what is happening and just like 
observing it. And then from that place, you find more self-assurance, you find more confidence and trust. And it's easier when you're not distracted because like, you know, we're just always doing, doing, doing. And we're not actually like feeling or listening. Yeah. Yeah. Be a witness. I always say be a witness. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's been the idea. You've, you've both touched on it now between the be a witness thought and the um, the observer thought, Alina, that you touched on earlier. And that was literally the first thing that was mentioned in our first podcast. Um, I was talking to two brilliant kind of uh, creative designers and that if you're a designer or indeed performing in any space, there's this issue where you sometimes struggle to separate yourself from the work, you know? So if the work is good and the ideas are plentiful, then, you know, you feel great. If the, if, you know, the work is poorly received or you just can't get a good idea out of yourself, then you, in your self-assurance suffers, but being really good at seeing your condition and your performance is one thing and yourself as something that is largely separate and using that vantage point of, you know, the separation to be super interested and curious and objective about this, this thing that is the work and the performance. That's such a huge hack in terms of feeling better, um, be, having greater awareness, feeling calmer. But, you know, it occurred to me at the time when we were discussing it that there, there really isn't an established framework for how you could do that super sustainably super often you know if you've got to a point where you're a great meditator or super mindful or or more kind of uh, theolog- theologically kind of aware then you might have some prompts or some uh, enough awareness of your own body to be able to do it and look at things but but most kids for example um growing up where i grew up or at a time where we grew up nobody has sat you down and go okay so you are not your work and there's a way of separating from this so you can see it more clearly and that you don't destroy your sense of self-assurance at the same time. Nobody has ever said that. But if there was a, a framework and a, and a set of rules around that, then that would be huge for my mission for of getting people to be more self-aware and self-assured. Um, so I've spent some time thinking about it, but no, I bet you have a bit of a, a take on that too, just like how you can be more sustainably um, both you know super present but also detached from yourself as if viewing it yourself um externally i think basically the main thing is just not attaching your identity to the things that you do because like a lot of the time people you know they'll ask us like oh what do you do what do you do and we're yeah. like I, i'll respond oh i'm a yoga teacher or i'm this i'm mm. this and this is also something i still kind of i'm struggling with because it's yeah. you know it's, it's me but it's like instead of like responding with what I do as who I am it's like oh I'm not a yoga teacher I just teach yoga but that's not who I am like yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. it doesn't that that what I do it doesn't really define my my identity or who I am as a person so I think it's just about just it's like putting using a verb you know it's like I'm, I'm not this I just this is just what I do for to make money or this is just what I do to share my passion mm. but at the end of the day like to my core my identity is not defined by what I do or our how much money I make or how successful I am. So I think that's the main thing that people in this like generation or society suffer struggle with is like, you know, our, our identity is based so much on like our career and our, our roles that we play. 
So I feel uh, somehow from the childhood we we taught we have to be successful, we have to get education, we have intelligence. Okay, that's more important, but not the intellect. And intelligence and intellect has a different way. Huh? Mm, yeah, yeah. Intelligence. Right now, you just Google it. That what is panchakosha? You will get all the information. And intellect means you don't know how this panchakosha is working on you. The mm, five yeah, yeah. bodies. It's like that. Intellect means you reel the knowledge. So what I found is that the somehow whatever knowledge we have it, the ninety eight percent is borrowed knowledge. So if I ask you, Richard, where are you from? You will say, I'm from, where are you from? Uh, yeah, Cambridge in England, yeah. Okay, England. Mm. Where is England? In Europe. Okay, where is Europe? Yeah, um, <laughs> the west of, um, you know, in the mid, notionally in the middle of the world, which of course okay, is... Okay, where a, is the world? Just imagine I'm from <laughs> alien, you know, like I'm from the another planet. I don't know what is world what is planet so you know one point it will come to you that you don't know the answer yeah, okay? yeah, you don't have yeah. the answer you don't have the answer so the 98 percent the knowledge we are borrowed from the people but that two percent knowledge is the most important knowledge why i'm getting angry why i'm getting agitated okay why yeah. i'm searching the happiness outside which is within me yeah. so even that's one of the nice example. I really like it that Osho said about it. Just imagine there are a few kids. If I put them in the jungle, okay? Sure, they're not going to learn the language. Okay? Just imagine there are a few kids uh, from the when they start learning the language. Before that, if I put them together, they're not going to learn the language. They, will, they cannot speak with each other. But the sure, when they get the puberty, they have a sexual feelings. Mm, mm. Okay, they know what is anger, huh? what is happiness. So these are the emotions. And if you look at it, that we actually have a problem with the relationship, with our own mind. We yeah, have a yeah. problem sometimes. Our mo- own mind can be powerful, and our own mind can destroy us. Yeah. So we have all these problems, but somehow that knowledge, the 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 essential knowledge, the truth which is within us, we are searching it outside, but nobody is giving that knowledge when we are a kid. So everybody say, oh, don't get angry. But from where this anger comes? Mm, yeah, yeah. When it comes, what can I do it for it? Nobody talks about it. Yeah. Eh? Control your se- se- sexual desire, but from where it is coming? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's- so these... Authentic knowledge, I feel it that. Uh, and that's the way we actually do it as a teacher, you know. As a we teacher, we are telling that it's coming within us, you know. So mm. that's the way we try to explain how our own mind is playing the game. And if you want to control the mind, how you can use your own intellect. And that's the way we do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and an interesting thought on that, to that end, has just come to mind. So say... Um, the next, say you were staying, um, Alina, you were staying in Moabamba and you were going to do another two week course, but instead of a load of 20 year olds to, you know, however old the, the oldest person was, you, they were all replaced with kind of, you know, five to 10 year olds. How much of your, how much of your, uh, training of the mind or framing of emotions and behaviors do you think would change or would the message be largely the same? 
Wow, I like that question. So, I mean, I think that's really interesting because I think as children, especially like below, like at five-year-olds, because that's the age before you're really kind of going to school and you're influenced by external, you know, yeah. you still can't really make choices. Like you're, you're still not super independent yet at that age. So I would say like as children, you know, at that age where they're so, they have so much self-assurance, like they have so much confidence in themselves and who they are. And, you know, like they don't care how loud they are or who judges them. They just like, they're just like, so themselves. And this is something I also like when we talk about the chakras, you know, like our yeah. lower chakras start to form at a yeah. really, really young age. Yeah. So it's like, like if I was like talking to children, of course my delivery would be different because they just don't have an attention span. But, <laughs> but like in a way that it's like, it's not about, because I always like say in my classes, it's not about becoming something. Like it's not about changing yourself and learning something. It's about unbecoming. Like it's about kind of mm. shedding layers and, and kind of releasing all the external um, limitations and imprints that, that school, our families, friends put on us and coming back to ourselves. So as children, mm. it's different because I feel like at that age, they already know who they are. You know, they're so confident in themselves and they don't care. So it's almost about like, I would, my approach would change in a sense that it's like helping them stay connected to their truth, helping them like not, you know, find what they're good at, stick to what they're good at and not not, you know, because in school, you go to school and everyone is taught the same subjects, regardless of maybe someone's really good at art or someone's yeah. really good at math. So like the way I would do it is like, find what you're good at, what your strong things are. And like, don't change, you know, like stay connected to that. Because at the end of the day, it's all about just coming back home to your true essence. And this is why I love, I learn so much from children, like, because <laughs> they're so caught, like they just, they don't care. Yeah. Yes, I found about the children's. Uh, it's like uh, when the iron is, uh, you can mold the iron when it's in a heat, you know? Mm, yeah, so we yeah. can make any shape, whichever shape we want to make it. And they say, according to yoga, we have a pancha pranas. So the prana, udana, samana, okay, vyana. So udana is the vayu, which kids have it. So they are not too much in their mind. Mm. So we can shape them the way we want. Mm, mm. <laughs> okay, that's the best part because they really don't know. They so, for example, uh, if I take them in the diamond shop, okay, and I tell them that this is the five thousand dollar diamond example, and there is a chocolate, they don't know. They they'll go for the chocolate, which is maybe five dollar. Okay, mm. they don't know the difference with the five dollar and five thousand. For them, that's most precious. Yeah, having that chocolate, they get the joy with that chocolate. Mm. They don't know the differentiate with it, and that's a perfect time to shape up their mind and shape up their intellect. Yeah, yeah, because you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to take away the beliefs. You're almost, yes. you're you're almost yeah. like yeah. helping them start their beliefs at a young age. So it's like yeah. now, as we're adults, we're kind of seeing which beliefs and opinions are actually ours or they were like given to us from our family yeah, but yeah. as children yeah. they don't you know you're yeah. so fresh so. and then they like success is like when you have this kind of a money you are successful no the successful it's like how you are mentally you are fit physically emotionally energetically that's so that's the success for me because eventually that matters a lot mm. yeah, the more 
rich people they have more health problem eventually yeah. you know like so what you want to do it so for example i literally found that all the because i used to teach lots of rich people and whenever i go they have a diabetes they have a heart problem and they can enjoy the best food in the world they can afford it but just imagine their body is not capable for it mm. yeah so for yeah. me that is success so how you keep yourself physically fit emotionally fit mentally you know energetically yeah. fit that's the success so when but most of the kids even i didn't know about it that success is like oh once i have own house once i have a good job you know once i have one car it's like minimum like you know everybody everybody like i i travel so much everybody the success definition is with the materialistic world mm, yeah but yeah. materialistic world yes i don't say is not necessary is necessary but that doesn't give the ultimate happiness Yeah no I I I think it's it's been a long time since you could use the word success and it really meant anything anybody who's using that word by itself and isn't framing it as you know emotionally successful financially giving it some kind of context it's just a weird lazy word at this point that, that doesn't mean very much um but just before we jump off this thought um you just described you know the the kids minds being you know at a perfect moment to kind of mold or impart a idea onto what is the one way in which you could mold it or the one idea you'd hope to put onto it at that time that you think that would have the largest benefit across their lifetime what is the one thing you would hope to impart across that two week period that would actually help them the most do you think So I feel it like that. I wish I would have to know this before, but yes, I got to know. So first, the kids should understand what is their nature of their mind. Mm. So what is mean first? What is the nature of the mind? So, for example, recently I heard this such interesting story. Uh, the Hitler actually he wants to be a artist, be good in yeah. the art, yeah, yeah, yeah artist. Yeah. But then his dad and mom they suppress yeah. his. and he said you cannot be artist and then same guy became a destroyer mm, yeah yeah you understand so just imagine if his mom and dad would have to allow what is his nature of the mind they would have to nurture that okay yeah the second world war would have to not happen if this is an example okay so there are many examples so understand what is your nature of your mind so, so for example like i wish i would have to know this uh I was very drawn to teach yoga because when I was 15 years old I had done, done my first one week course and that day only I decided I want to be yoga teacher mm. but the, somehow with the yoga teacher I don't know you can earn the money and how this as a you know as a job is not a prestige job especially I'm talking about 23 years back okay but being a doctor okay being a architect or engineer it's like a you know in india especially you know these are the trees like a top category you know if you are there yeah. you are like you know professional and elegant you know whatever blah blah yeah, blah yeah. then i just decide, and i wish but then i also follow the same whatever my mom and dad said then i did the graduation i did bcom and i did mcom and i end up the day i realized that i don't know even sometimes i don't know the full form of the bcom Well, obviously i know the business of commerce but why i done it i wish i would have to invest my more time and energy to learn more yoga sutra as example or okay more traditional because end of the day maybe i would have to go more deeper into the obviously i'm doing right now but it just 
understanding their own nature of the mind is the most important so for yeah. example the the kid is very good in the cricket or football okay and then they they are forced to do the studies who mm. wants to be a artist okay somebody wants to be architect so once you understand your nature of the mind and help them guide mm. them assist them and they can progress in that field so yeah. one thing i want to do it understand their nature of the mind no i i love that and and i'm sure lena's got a thought too but the one that's just come to my mind i don't know if you've ever heard of this person um he was a famous british um educational speaker of the last 20 years called ken robinson i don't know if that yeah name. Yeah. yeah and, and he, he gave lots of good talks particularly on ted about you know um how you should to your point um Kranti, you know understand your own mind understand the minds of children and kind of try and lift them up before you give them some other weird frame about what they should be doing and he had a an example that he gave um about someone in a classroom who was very very like fidgety <laughs> they would always be moving or like whatever they couldn't really sit still and it's very easy for a teacher or a head teacher or a parent to go I'll just sit still stop fidgeting yeah. he goes no well that person that they were a dancer from the inside out they were always a dancer and then this person went on to become because of his prescience you know a very good you know english ballet dancer you know but wow. that's only because that person looked at that kid at that time with the right nature of mind in mind you know they weren't seeing someone as doing something wrong they saw someone with the potential to do something really right <laughs> um, that yeah. just wasn't sitting still in the classroom Oh, I love that example. Yeah, that's yeah. really nice. It's yeah. like you can't go against nature and no matter how even how much you try, you know, no matter how much you're like, no, I'm not I should be doing this because I'm going to make more money doing this. You're going to do it and at some point you're just going to realize that it's not your nature. So it's like you can always put a band-aid on it or you can always delay it, but it's like nature you just can't go against nature and as Kanti says like the nature of our mind was was is there at when we're children and that's why children like they act a certain way because they know the nature of their mind but they're not taught to trust it they're not trust taught it, yes. to like to 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 nurture it and yeah. it also depends on of course like school it depends on the the guardian you know like you yeah. have to be around people who nurture you and support you as children so that's the main thing is like it's not about it's not about finding out what you're good at or 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 be, and of course you know with training and practice you can master something but it's like you just can't go against nature and every single one of us we have our nature our true our true nature so as a kid it's so evident it's so obvious what our true nature is but we're just so it's like this education education system in so many countries just ignores it and and treats every single kid as if they're the same So that's yeah. why when we get older and we grow up it's so hard to find out what we want to do or what we're good at because we're just not taught to find the nature of our mind. Yes. <laughs> so just imagine like my nature of mind to teach yoga example and somehow I'm accountant because I get the good money you know whatever like whatever the salary like people think you know it everybody has a different way. So for me maybe I'm on $10,000 example. Yes. but the thing is when i come back from my job i'm more agitated i'm frustrated and i'm not happy uh, it's 10000 but now i feel it like that okay maybe it doesn't matter i have a 1000 example but i'm more happy i'm more content and i'm more satisfied that's end of the day it matters for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i, I think understand 
sort of your mind. Yeah, I think you're wise to to raise the kind of the the financial component in there too, because I think people are pretty good at suppressing their nature of mind or their joys initially because they're like told by their parents and then told by society that if they're not going to make a career out of it, then it's not worth their time at all, which is completely untrue. You could be an accountant, for, for example, because, you know, it's a, it's a good stable profession you can do wherever all over the world and you can still use your free time to explore whatever that joy happens to be in a completely money ambivalent completely detached way and you'll be far far happier but you know mm-hmm. i think we've lost that bit of kind of dilettantism where you just do something for the sake of being a passionate kind of amateur at it and because you love it you know but too busy people are too busy going oh well if i'm spending this much time doing this craft or hobby or interest then i should be making money out of it and that what what money shouldn't come into it at all you know particularly if you're financially secure you shouldn't be putting pressure on yourself but i think that you know that's another problem with society educational structures are old fashioned and the pervasiveness of money as a thing you should be optimizing for is also massively um you know damaging Yeah, I just want to add something on what you just said, because like, um, it's, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's for everybody to make a career out of what they're passionate about, or what that you know, what like, there are. And I think like, as people who are right now making a career, maybe in the future, it might change, I don't know. But it's like, people are so scared to do something and fail at it and mm. not be good at it. Or, you know, like you said, because we attach it with like m- money with success. Mm. But it's like, there's that quote, that's just like, just create art for art's sake. And it's like, it's not about, and it goes into the topic of I said, like, it's not about the end goal. It's about just the process. And like, when you're creating something, or when you're finding out what you're good at, or finding out your new passions or something, you're going to learn so much about yourself and bring so much fulfillment about yourself on the journey that it doesn't matter if you're going to make money off of it in the end. You know, you can be, it can be perfectly fine if you have a job that maybe you're not passionate about, but that's bringing you security, but then still on the side, exploring the nature of your mind and seeing, you know, what you're good at, what brings you joy, peace. You want to ask? Yeah. And I feel that I wish that the every parents that they, teach us that we want more. We want car, we want mm. a good house, we want, but actually we don't need many things. Mm. Yeah, Our yeah. basic need a very minimum, huh? really like, you know, the shelter example, just the food, you know, and uh, just a little bit basic salary if you can get it, but that's actually need. But then they teach us that, no, you should have this. You want, you want, constantly you want. It's capitalism. Right? It's a capitalism <laughs> that uh, literally like, you know, somehow being in a yoga, we say aparigraha. Aparigraha means nowadays people are storing unnecessary things. Okay. So constantly they're going out to search the happiness. They're going for shopping constantly. But they think, for example, when I have a new iPhone, you know, you think, oh, this phone is going to give you the happiness. But th- this phone gives the happiness just for a while or new car, Mercedes-Benz or whatever, the new house. Everything gives for a while. And then later on, you come back to your the truth. Truth is this the happiness is inside, is not yeah. the outside. I wish they should give this knowledge also what you really needed. The need. Needs are very minimal. Mm. 
Yeah. And yeah. also finding yeah. the boundary between yeah. your needs and your desires. Yeah. Because it's for, it's perfectly fine. Some people desire to have more, yeah. you know, but 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 knowing that like they the, their desires and their needs are two different things. Yeah. So like finding that b- boundary between them. And I know this is probably getting really off track, but it just made me, I just wanted to add no, that. No, no, no. It's perfect. Yeah. Because it's like yeah, some yeah. people desire to have a house and a car and and have these, you know, these the security. And that's, there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong. But it's it. just about knowing yeah. that boundary between your desires and, and your needs, you know, and it's yeah. like, as long as you have what you need, you know, you have shelter, you have food, you have like, you have yourself, you know, you have the self-assurance, you have your own body, your health. That's really all you need. The rest is just desires and things that come with time. And it's not, it doesn't define success. The need is like, even the need is about mental peace that they should add it. Yeah, exactly. Right? So these are the most important rather than, but nowadays somehow we emphasize we want more. Yeah. Yeah, we want, we constantly want, want, want. But we need also a couple of things, which is just few. No. Yeah, we have to emphasize on that also. And uh, having desire is not wrong. Only attaching to that desires is not yeah. good. Having mm. desire is not a problem. But just imagine I have a desire about X, Y, Z. And if I don't achieve it and I get frustrated, it's not good. Yeah, I have a desire. Yeah, if it is happens along my way, it will happen. If not, it's not. You know, this is the way it should go. Mm-hmm. Something we've just touched on along there through talking about needs and desires and struggling to differentiate between the two is the idea of suffering. And I'm well aware that there's something kind of ironic about what I'm doing, where I'm obsessing so much about the power, the positive power of having good self-assurance and good self-awareness. But so much of my suffering comes from attaching to the idea of myself, Mm. my the idea of me having a self. So it's something that is a bit esoteric for the average podcast but in light of the fact i'm talking to two um you know amazing experienced yoga practitioners who are aware that the, the self is something we kind of like create it's not necessarily any more real than anything else it's it's a it's a figment of our imagination i thought i'd just throw that in do you think that's bad that i should be framing more of this around how you transcend from the idea of self not become weirdly obsessed by it trying to be more self-assured and self-aware i want to say one thing because i feel like Kanti, you're yeah. going to have a little bit of a deeper thing to say about this so i'm going to start and then you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can take you back off of it um but i just want to say one thing and then Kanti can take the mic but um so basically like from what i got from your question is like like trying to be trying to be this best version of yourself whether it's like you're trying to reach like enlightenment samadhi or you're trying to be like healed of all your traumas and or be the best developed version of yourself that attachment to that is bringing us suffering and and i i've experienced this a lot on my journeys where you know it's like we there's always going to be something to heal there's always going to be something to change or to work on and i like to tell myself a lot that i'm not this like endless self-development project that needs Mm. constant fixing That's something that I tell myself a lot. And it's like, you know, you're never going to be at this perfect place. And even if you do reach a glimpse of like, 
this bliss or this like enlightenment at the end of the day, if you choose to stay in this human existence and if you choose to stay in society, then you're going to be met constantly with like that attachment to trying to con, you know, you're not going to always forever be in this place of bliss. Cause that's just mm, not yeah, how yeah. it works. So that's what I tell myself is, is like, I'm not this self-development project that constantly needs to be working or healing or fixing something. Um, and that's, come to me recently because when I first started my path of spirituality and healing and whatever I had a lot more suffering than than benefit and now mm. I'm a, it's about just having that compassion for yourself and I'll just let Kanti now continue yeah so what I feel is that uh, we constantly look for some goal okay mm -hmm. but when you look at the just the rose rose doesn't have any goal to look beautiful or he doesn't mm -hmm. have the uh, goal oh everybody should appreciate me okay they don't have any goal they just blossom yeah? we have to just enjoy this process whatever is going on right now yeah. if i'm a vulnerable accept it i'm a vulnerable yeah oh today i'm very mindful accept it i'm very mindful okay i'm today i'm very self-awareness okay i have it and today i don't have awareness because i many things flip from my you know like my phone flip fall down you know oh maybe i'm not aware today though that's nice you know some every day it's a different day okay every day brings some new hope a eh? new adventure why we just don't surrender enjoy the journey rather than destiny mm. yeah that's the way i feel it and what yeah. do you do you have anything to say about like what he was saying how yeah. ourself you know like transcending the like superficial layer of ourself and like kind of like on a deeper le level of like self-awareness you know because we're much more than just this body you know it's like this see i feel that that we are the best at every moment yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no we are the best yeah. today i'm the best version of the kranti 10 years back oh when i look at it that i was not that best but that time that was my best yeah yeah, yeah. 10 years yeah. back yeah. and 10 years back even my version will be the different maybe i'll be a guru example okay like that is my no 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 it's not a dream but maybe i'll be a guru example 10 years you know like but that is the best version of the kranti yeah 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 no i right? I, i love that i think that's that's perfect um and it, you know in a way this this Good night, go on, Cranty. Sorry. Sorry. And I found that the 10 years back, I found that you know, I was not a good person, though I'm a yoga teacher, but I was not actually, okay, I'm telling this path, but I'm not walking on that my path on. But that's my own journey. And I enjoyed that also because I was not on that track. And when I come back to that track, and now I'm on this track and I'm walking myself, and I enjoy this also because I have the experience. Mm, yeah 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 being vulnerable and now being more stable i have yeah. both experience yeah, yeah. you can uh, uh, give 100% of what you have yes. at that moment and some moments it's going to be 50% of what it normally is but yeah. if you're giving 100% of what you have then it's still your like kranti says you're doing your best yeah 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 so, no, and so much of this ties in again to a more um kind of existential version of knowing what enough and your needs are um or mm -hmm. Uh, your expectations about your own um kind of cognition and life you know the the uh, again these this is all the wisdom of other people so i'm not uh, <laughs> claiming it's my own um but it's mm -hmm. like the the particles and elements of our bodies were you know made from 
you know, the deaths of stars like billions of years ago and all of the weird things that have to happen for any of the three of us to even be alive in the first place. So, you know, you you have, if you've had a moment's kind of laughing or smiling or breathing or seeing, you're in existential terms just about the luckiest thing mm. that's ever happened. So if you have something like we've had, which is, you know, a relatively grateful, um, incredible life, you know, with lots of friends and opportunities, then it's it's unbelievable to me. You know, and uh, people don't take that frame. They 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 wake up and they think, "Oh, what can I get today? What can I buy today?" You know, they're ignoring this kind of existential context for their life, uh, and you yeah. know, ch- cheating themselves out of a lot of joy and presence and awareness. Um, you know. So I want to tell you that. Yeah, so many people come and they do one-on-one and I just said to this, mm-hmm. you just open Google it that how many people are no more in this world today? Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. How many people are dying, okay? Just imagine you're still alive, okay? Is it not to celebrate this moment you're alive? And now just imagine you're alive. You never get a phone call that, oh, your mom, something happened, your dad, something happened, or they're still alive. So you have a double happiness to share it that, okay, around whoever I love, these people are alive. So yes, just two days back, I got one message that one of my best friend, he's no more. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sure, I know, and when I checked that photo, this is the last photo with him. Mm-hmm. And now I cannot see that person again. Yeah, yeah, is it yeah. that things in our life we can appreciate just imagine there was a one story i want to tell you here so there was a one guy who was just about so frustrated and fed up with his life he was uh, bankrupt and blah 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 so he was just about to suicide and there was a one kind of a sadhu he saw him he's going to suicide and he said why are you what you're doing he said, oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm fed up. I have a bankrupt. You know, I'm like so miserable at this moment. Only this is the solution. I just want to jump okay, mm. from the mountain. Mm. And he said, okay, wait, wait, wait. I have something for you. Then this guy brings to the king. Okay, there was a king. And uh, he said, king, he's the guy. Let's, we donate his eyes and we give him $3 billion or $3,000. And uh, he got shocked. No, no, no. I don't want to sell, give my eyes to anybody. Eh? And then he realized that every part of your body, like we have it, like just imagine we have these beautiful eyes. We can see the world. We can see the color, the green color, the beauty of the nature. We can enjoy the food. We can move our hand. We can walk. There are many things appreciate in our life, just simple things. Why yeah. we want big things, like why your happiness is depend on either with somebody else or on the materialistic thing, why you just cannot be happy at this moment. Yeah. 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 And this is something yeah. that definitely like is a practice, you know, it's not, it's like, it's, I, I can say it a lot and it's not until I really realize it myself and, and just, yeah, just having the ability to just like listen to music or like see yeah. see the nature around you and like eat really good food and 
that's I would say is 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 a practice that people can incorporate into their life daily, like mindfulness, just having mm-hmm. that mindfulness of every single thing that they do and every time they incorporate all their senses. Um, and this helps you not focus so much on the little things because it's those things, those tiny little things that we put all of our energy and focus on that make us go crazy and take us away from this presence. So it's like mind, like I would say just mindfulness, yeah. the practice of mindfulness. I yeah. saw many people, they are just in hurry to eat their food, yeah. they finish it. And I always say, this is the ceremony for me. Yeah. And I, you know, she knows very well. Is this is the ceremony for me because the end of the day, we all are, whatever work we are doing it, first to have a food. Yes. Even if you don't have a clothes, it's not a problem, <laughs> but we need the food. We need yeah. the water. Okay. These are the basic thing. And literally people are rushing, you know, like they are just constantly, they are, they're aspiring something which is not there. <laughs> so they're constantly running yeah. from the this moment. This is the moment. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy your food. Whatever. Even enjoy your cacao example. This small cup yeah. of coffee and enjoy it. Yeah. The simple things yeah. are more, I think so it's more pleasurable for me than the big things, you know. The happiness is in the small things. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows the unbelievable power of the perspectives you take. Because, yeah, to use uh, Alina's mindfulness example, like a a cheesy prompt I used to do with myself once I kind of engaged on a wiser level with this kind of existential thing is like the feeling, if I concentrate, uh, the, the feeling I get when I tap my fingers together is like unbelievable. The fact that, so like, my I can unite my two hands with my brain and I I can kind of feel something there. Like instead of just seeing that as a kind of physical inevitability of being a human being, but instead as this weirdly amazing existential accident where I'm alive and I can do this, it's kind of, that's just a perspective I've taken. It's no, anybody could take that perspective. And it's um, uh, similarly to the, Kranti, I think you mentioned, you know, the, just the, the power of waking up in the morning and realizing you're alive. Um, Like it's it's a stoic um, philosophy thing where if you've got a child, you'd be best meditating on the fact that the child might not wake up in the morning, despite the fact Mm -hmm. it would be the worst thing in your life. You know, when they do more often than not, you're, you see it as this unbelievable treat and a gift, you know, and you should apply that lens to yourself. You know, when you groggily kind of like, you know, brush your eyes and wake up in the morning, instead of being like, oh, another day, you know, it's just be like, oh, yes, <laughs> I'm alive, you know, and see it as a gift instead, you know, and these are just yeah. frames, different ways of looking at the same course of time. Yeah. And I really found it that when you really go, what is your nature of your mind? That for me, there is never a Monday. Every day is a Sunday for me. Yeah. Every day is a Sunday. There is no Monday. Why there yeah. is a Monday? Why people have a concept that they have to work? Yeah, yeah. And why looking forward for the weekends? For me, every day is a Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes I feel that every day is a Saturday, Sunday. No, I'm so. I'm completely the same. Actually, weirdly, it's weird you mentioned that on this um, on the journal thing I showed you earlier that I've created this digital journal. Um, one of the pages gives you what um, number, unique number, uh, unique day in your life you're experiencing today. So mine is like my eleven thousand eight hundred something day. 
um so, and that tries to help me stop think of it as another wednesday or another whatever day yeah. it's actually it's a weirdly unique day today i really don't know like today i was telling <laughs> alina today is tuesday and she said me that today is wednesday <laughs> today i don't know what day is it also yeah i mean you can even go so deep yeah. with this like thinking about it you know time obviously yeah. like all of this is just like it's made up stuff it's yeah. not like it's just stuff to put order and structure into our life and of course you know like as a part of society we have to live by these structures of course but it's not like you know they these little structures they put us in we put ourselves in boxes when we attach so much to these things so it's just about like like you said looking at things from another perspective like i like to say looking at things with like a new pair of glasses or like a new set of eyes because it's just like you know when you like clean your glasses or you 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 can kind of see things for what they really are rather than like what what our mind thinks they are and it's like you said it's a gift it's a blessing just to even be here and just to even experience the the beauty of that life has to offer so yeah when you take effort every day to remind yourself of that it becomes more natural yeah so one of the yeah, i just went and i it was really nicely written don't think out of the box just remove that box remove the box <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Why you want Why to is there a box? Yeah. No, that's nice. That's nice. That's yeah. a good that's a good Yeah. Life no. is life is more like you have to enjoy every moment. It should be playful. Why you have to be serious in your life? You know, you just be sincere in your life yeah. rather than be serious. You know, serious like the osho always say serious means when you are in the hospital guys you know somebody serious in the hospital be sincere whatever you do and just be playful yeah mm. yeah yeah okay see dance enjoy yeah yeah no yeah. I, another thought that's come to mind which i could really only volunteer on this podcast versus the, you know the average less spiritual and self-aware minded one is that Do you reckon it would be possible to this idea of just taking certain perspectives, just being playful, you know, don't worry about the box, just think. Do you reckon it would ever be possible from a child to, you know, your older life to never trap yourself with certain ideas about, you know, um, self or having certain expectations or whatever? Or is that a necessary thing that you have to go through and experience to then transcend it can you ever live a life do you reckon that is completely detached from these ideas um or do you reckon it's the, the more valuable thing is to you know be born then realize it comes have some idea of yourself and then transcend it in some really powerful thoughtful manner is it possible to do the other do you think i think it is yeah. no sorry so in sorry i just no, no, go, because go, go, go. i forget it for sure you have a thought so <laughs> what patanjali said that atha yoga anushasanam means now yoga discipline starts hmm. means you can change it at any moment any time yeah. richard you can change it now you don't have hmm. to wait and you don't have to no. think oh i i wasted my 40 years example example you know just imagine maybe 40 years i'm going to live more but at least 40 years i have it to live with more awareness more alertness yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. there's a story i want to tell you uh the osho story uh osho got very famous okay mm. in his journey and suddenly he goes to his own village 
and when he goes to his own village he goes to his own teacher who was teaching him and uh, he went there and obviously teacher appreciate that oh you are a very famous person right now or blah 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 and then he's talking a little bit about some knowledge the spiritual knowledge osho was talking and the teacher said can i tell you osho don't come tomorrow please eh whatever i was believing right now you just change my beliefs okay all the beliefs has changed in like half an hour with your discourse or with your conversation please don't come tomorrow then osho said no till i am here i'm going to come every day now you were not aware but now whatever the life is left bring that awareness bring that alertness yeah, okay yeah. bring that yeah. mindfulness which alina is saying at least now so i feel it that is never late right you can start this journey at any time any moment that's it just yeah start now yeah. that's most important i don't think but, but, but to go off like your question yeah. like <laughs> no it was amazing yeah. but just to say like i think what kranti saying is it's it's there's never it's never yeah. late and yeah. it's there's always the opportunity to do it but i do think um if like children have so much power so if it started at a young age then it would be easier as when you get older to to continue on that path like i don't think it's necessary to but i think at some point no matter what children are going to have to transcend some like you know when you get older you have to transcend mm-hmm. some beliefs you're going to get beliefs no matter what as a kid your parents your friends going or to society. school society yeah. puts all yeah. on you you pick it up so no matter what but i do think it will make things more natural more easier if kids as kids are raised in a way or taught in a way that make them not question their true nature their mm. their essence their nature of their mind so it becomes a little bit easier along the path but as kanti says it's never too late and i think it's never too late it's actually more prof- it is yeah. really profound when you're in like an adult life and it's like you kind of have that um theoretical death rebirth cycle you know because mm. it's like a piece of kind of dies so that like you're reborn in a way and i don't think either is like right or wrong and they're both powerful but no yeah. i i i think you're you're both spot on and particularly the thought of you know you're going to get beliefs anyway you know so even if our society at large was you know 10x more uh, aware and virtuous than it is right now you're still going to go through a weird journey where you're you would you adopt some behaviors because that's what you've been told and been demonstrated but then you're still going to transition back to having that sense of self-investment and awareness that is deeper than just copying and you know just uh just being taught yeah. that is still a transition of itself it's still a bit of transcendence so you know i never thought about it in that way until until you both framed it um kind of as such so it was um, it was worth asking such a long-winded and uh slightly random yeah. question you know you've both described that your self awareness and self assurance has you know improved over time how much of your engagement and you know um your life evolving around yoga is responsible for that growth do you think or is it a bit yoga and a bit something distinct from yoga or is 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 this the thing that's driving your 
your improvement day-to-day with self-awareness and self-assurance? Well, for me, I think, like, finding this practice was definitely, like, the kickstart. Like, I think without, you know, without finding this practice, and I was really lucky to find it at a young age, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like I... Um, so I think for me, it was like right away off the bat, what kind of brought me to that space. And, you know, and I talk about how like the body and getting out of my mind and into my body, which is really powerful for me. So it started more as like that kind of practice where I I got myself out of the mental space and into the somatic, the physical space to really feel what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you know, with all the practices and with more experience and and then once I started teaching, yeah, I definitely would say that, like, I don't think I would be on this path or this this point in my journey without the practices that I've gained through yoga and not just physical, you know, everything, everything that brings me to that sense of like pure observing, like coming back because yoga really is just like union. It's just coming back to your truth and coming back to, to your to your core. So so for me. I can confidently say yes. And I'm really blessed and grateful for the practice. And that's why I share from my experience. Yeah. I also feel blessed that at a very young age, I always had the curiosity about, you know, being in the Indian, born in India, we already know about moksha. Okay. What is moksha? And I was very curious about what is moksha. And being a child, I think so, I did lots of religious practices. Lots of like going to the temple, chanting the mantras, you know, I did a lot. But then when I come to the yoga, then I understood that religious practice for a certain level, it's nice to have it. But eventually you have to bring the union in your body and mind. That's the most Mm. important. That I got to know because of yoga. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel blessed uh, being a, I'm in this journey. I age of 15 I started then I started the this revolution first within me I started changing myself because you cannot change the outside world you know like uh, even yeah yeah even uh, Rumi said that I was clever I want to change the world but now I'm wise I changed myself I've heard uh, that and I really like it that you can only bring the change first within you and then you can share your experience. Uh, you cannot force the others to bring these changes. And I found it apart from yoga also for me, uh, the ayahuasca ceremony helped me a lot. Mm, yes, yeah. So that's one of the biggest journey I had it, the ayahuasca. And Vedanta study literally because sincerely I follow the Vedanta practice. Vedanta means is the knowledge, you know, like 5,000 years back, how you can use your own intellect because using your intellect is the most amazing path. You know, even I, I, I started having these lectures once in a week, 2008, but the many times that still I didn't, didn't have the ability to use my own intellect. Mm. Okay, yeah, because yeah. sometimes your mind your desires are so overpower you you know you forget to use your own intellect mm. but now I'm more aware more alert to use my intellect so whenever any decision any situation comes I like to analyze okay what are the consequences which I was not doing it in the beginning 
Okay, but that happened because of the Vedanta study. So all these practices, and obviously the Osho is one of the <laughs> best, one of Osho the amazing. The, I'm the Osho lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally he made me. So whatever my beliefs are there, he literally destroyed my beliefs, and he started thinking the like he always say, flip the coin. We know only the ones flip the coin. You should know the other side also. So now whatever things I'm doing it, so I have to know the other side. That the other side, I think so Osho has has developed in me to flip the coin. And I enjoy that part. And overall, all is beautiful. Like I'm enjoying this journey. And I still feel I'm the student of the lifelong. Especially when I teach. Uh it gets more penetrated in me because I ask this question to myself, really I'm following, you know, like, and see, nobody's going to see Richard. You don't care about it. What time I wake up, Alina don't care what time I wake up. Okay. So it's only for me. Yeah. What time I wake up, do I am honest with my own studies or with my own practices? Because many times the practice, the discipline brings the freedom. So sometimes having so much freedom can also destroy you yeah? Yeah, yeah. because you can do whatever you want. But no, discipline is the most important key. Discipline yeah. and self-accountability. Yeah. And that's why, you know, <laughs> and that's why self-assurance, like, you know, when we talk about self-assurance, I think a lot about self-accountability because at the end of the day, no one is going to, is going to, hold you accountable more than you can hold yourself accountable and it's like yeah I can go tell everybody that I'm up every day at 6 a.m and I do my practice every morning at 6 a.m but it's like no one really cares no one it's not going to change their life it's going to change my life yeah so I think self-accountability is like really important and I found a lot of self-accountability discipline um a, a lot of that came to me through yoga and it started as a physical practice but then it transformed beyond that in so many different ways um and yeah it's something that as Kanti said it's like as a teacher you're always a student first yeah it's like, I can yeah I can only teach from experience and if I'm teaching something and if I'm not following it then we're just preaching we're not actually we're not actually doing it yeah, I think you probably both you, you yeah. probably both appreciate a quote from the previous podcast from again these music teacher performers. One of them had a quote that had been embossed into a notebook, which had been shared with the, the their school network and stuff. Um, never let being a teacher stop you from being a student. You know, it was just that kind of overriding lifelong learning thought that just Mm -hmm. came to mind. Um, But the biggest thing I want to touch on in terms of yoga contributing to your overall improvements in self-awareness and self-assurance is that kind of physical component. Um, Because, again, when I was a couple of weeks ago trying to think about what my definition for these things were, I would then look at, you know, lots of other definitions of self-awareness and lots of them were obsessed with the, the, the mental and emotional parts of mind and your passions and motivations and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, that, and there's never really any mention of the physical, but I'm like, when, when did the physical stop being part of your overall, uh, something that could represent your overall un- awareness of yourself? You know, and you've both just flagged how important the physical component is to the, you know, what's helped you. 
Yeah, like for me, in my experience, and for me, the physical component was really huge because it's like, it's not about only the physical. Like, I'm not saying you have to be really strong in your practice, no. but one who as a kid had a lot of anxiety and, you know, a hard time regulating my nervous system and my emotions, I, I found that I spent more than half of my energy and my time in my head and I think our body is a vessel it's a tool it's a it's like a machine so when we tap into the body we tap into the that physical vessel we're able to control our emotions we're able to control our thoughts we're able to actually see what's going on rather than using our logical mind to kind of rationalize it or like make decisions and I think our body is a pathway to our intuition it's a pathway to our our divinity and i for me like finding that release through somatic practices helped me get out of the mental space a lot and more mm. into the, the the other bodies you know like the phys- the emotional body the spiritual body the energetic body and i i found that for me through the physical body is it's the in my experience it's what helped me a lot in Hatha Pratipika, they say that I really like that. In healthy body, healthy mind can stay. Yes. Healthy body, healthy yeah, mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like Just that. Imagine, I have lots of ache and pains. Okay, my physical body is not in a good condition. Obviously, my emotionally, I get disturbed. I get mentally disturbed. Energetic, I get disturbed. And spiritually also, I get disturbed. Because just imagine I want to sit for meditation for one hour and constantly there is a pain in my back and knee. Yeah. I cannot focus. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. in healthy body, healthy mind stays. Healthy body, healthy mind. And our yeah. body eavesdrops on our thoughts and our emotions. Yeah. So it's like when, yeah, it's yeah. also healthy body mind, healthy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a really good book. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's like, um, it's all connected. You know, it's, there's one side of the spectrum and the other yeah. side of the spectrum. So it's like, you can't have one without the other. You can't just, you can't just nourish your spiritual, spiritual body and your mental body without actually nourishing your physical body and vice versa. You can't just focus on your physical body without focusing on your mental, yeah. emotional, spiritual energetic so it's it's all like and like you say it's not um it's not a game of you know um who's got the the best practice or who's got the best body it's it's using the practice to be more aware of your um you know (laughs) of how it works you know whether it's you know level one or level 100 it's that awareness piece is the transcendent thing um and if you obviously you can get more um cathartic or personal value from really you know improving it then that's great but it's the awareness thing that counts the most so like i was amazed to see it never crop up in any definition of self-awareness you know that physical that physical piece i thought was a real oversight yeah which is why i've crammed it into my own um you know as a means of stress test your definition is going to be really long. It's going to be a paragraph now. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, no, it, it, it already is quite long. I, I'll read it to you and you can tell me whether you think this is too long. So like um, my deficient, uh, my definition even of like peak self-awareness, peak kind of practical self-awareness is the consistent, positive and practical application of genuine self-understanding regarding your present physical, technical, mental and emotional condition and how each can be best improved over time you know and you know in the thing i've just read from it's the start of a little article that kind of breaks down those different bits and again tries to focus on you know 
um, it, it as a practical definition with different ideas that you can use as, as a checklist or a reference point for how you get your self-awareness from where it is now to you know how it can improve and be more valuable to you um, over time. But it, it, it's a bit of a mouthful um, and it may I may change it to some degree, but I think that at least kind of captures a large part of what I think is valuable about yeah. um, self-awareness. It has to be with you. At, if it, at its best, it has to be with you all of the time. A bit like Cranty, how you just described, you know, you, you like to um, refer to your intellect more. And like, you know, I, I, I saw your framing of the word intellect as representing kind of peak self-awareness it's like i understand myself here and i'm going to make the best decision or reaction possible i'm not going to not do that it's there with you at the very moment that something is happening and similarly with the positive and practical pieces something we've explored in in other podcasts is that um people have found as they become more self-aware particularly about the things they can or cannot do you know if they find out things they can't do, then their self-awareness, uh, self-assurance suffers. But, you know, your, your mm -hmm. self-awareness should serve to make your life more healthy and happy, you know, and not seeing your ignorance or your the gaps in your life yeah. as kind of issues, you know. So, like, there's all of these different components of the definition, albeit a long one, are, like, there to offer insight into how it can get better. Um, but, yeah, yeah and I think it's, it's a bit long. For every person and, like, and, you know, I think having self-awareness comes with your own practice. Like I can say, this is what I do. Mm. This is what Kranti does. Yeah. But it's like at the end of the day, that's not going to work for everybody. And everybody has their, you know, there for sure is like questions you can ask yourself. There is guidance and tools, but it's about finding what works for you. Like we said, finding yeah. your nature and, and, and continuing on that path and giving that practice more of your energy and and through that is where you can find what works and what does it so yeah no and, yeah. and on the physical piece again i i, I always make a mess of this quote but it's like you can't outthink you can't think your way out of something you act your way into you know, we always think that, you know, okay, well, if I'm doing something that I don't like, I need to like look at it and think about it with my rational, conscious brain. <laughs> it's like, well, now you, sometimes you just need to act differently. You know, you just need change. to, yeah. the physical thing needs to be different, yeah. um, which I think is, is poignant. So I like to share my stories a little bit, a little bit longer, but I like no, to make it short. It works perfect for this format, you know, don't worry at all. So before 2018, I was also in that rat cycle, you know, mm. you like materialistic things. Rat if race. you have a rat race, you know, yes, that's thank you for that. So it's constantly like, if I have a house, I'll be happy. If I have a this much bank balance, I'll be secure. Exactly. I was in that cycle. And then one point i just don't know like i opened the yoga business and uh, somehow it didn't run properly and i have lots of debts and one day i just sat with myself that kranti why you are running for what you are a single person how much money you really needed then how much money 
you want. So that's my want and need was not clear because of the society I also want. I want one house, then one land, or maybe my own yoga school. And like that want was constantly increasing. And then that that's the that's period 2014, I opened the business and it didn't run. And then I had so much stress my, as a yoga teacher, though I tell people people that not, not to have a stress, when you have a stress, what happens, your internal organs get, you know, not work function properly, you know, your reproduction organs, your digestion get messed up and blah, blah, blah. But as a teacher, I was constantly in a stress because I was working so hard, literally hard, like 11 hours a day. Mm. And the, whatever I earn, I have to give it as a rent. So long story short, I just, uh, my partner asked me that, Kranti, you like to run this in second year? I said, no, I don't want to run because I don't want to do anything with the stress. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. good for my health. And I started having the back problem, being a yoga teacher, you know, like I started having owned my back problem. Then 2018, I just decided I just want to travel because I heard lots of stories. People are traveling without money and blah, 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 but I never trust it you cannot it's not possible how people can travel without money it's not possible but then i just decided let's i'm going to have a faith to the universe universe is going to take my care and literally this is the way it happens i went to one of my uh friend friend actually she's my student also and she was doing yoga two years with me when she was in india she's actually from u.s so she was in U.S. and I went to meet her and I helped her. I was taking care of her kids. Then she gave me $500. Kranti, you keep it. I know you're traveling without money. And then the, the way I started keeping the trust on the universe, literally it fall in place. Uh, then I went to Colombia. I got a job to teach in the prison actually but that job somehow got cancelled at the last minute and I said no because sorry I don't have money you know you already promised me two and a half months you're going to give me the accommodation and then she said Kranti still you are welcome and then I went there and after one week I did my first ayahuasca journey and many things got I got it that I was carrying the stress all on my body first ceremony it released and second everything is started it's like a onion when you start peeling it you know when you start yeah, yeah. peeling that onion you go deeper deeper yeah. and then i started going more deeper and i understanding that uh my own self okay my own awareness and actually i don't need many things i can just be happy even without nothing because happiness is inside it's not with the outside things you know so these are the things started opening up and now I just keep the trust and faith on the universe and universe is really taking care of me. Um, and I'm having a beautiful journey and I, I really feel blessed at this moment. And my happiness and my bliss is at this moment, not in the future. Okay, yeah. That's the way. And then one story I want to tell you the last. So the way I was traveling and all. So I met one of my students' mother and she met me in 2018 and I told her the story. I keep the faith on the universe. Universe is taking care of me. And it literally happened in Colombia. I went without any expectation. And I literally, I got one girl for teacher's training course. I did 30 day challenge. I did cooking workshop, which I never thought about it. I'm going to do the <laughs> cooking workshop because Alina knows that that is one of the best thing I have it in me that I'm so creative in my cooking, but I had my cooking classes and 
in the restaurant that india my dish was there you know which is like mm. i'm so happy that dish is there and then she asked me that kranti what do you think what is your future after 5 years and i just told her that my future is so bright i cannot see nothing and i really don't want to see my future i just I want to that. enjoy <laughs> this moment at this moment right now my peace my happiness or even like whatever situation is at this even sometime i get emotionally vulnerable but this is now it's fine because nothing is permanent even this happiness is not going to be permanent emotional imbalance is not going to be permanent everything is going to eventually is going to change yeah and i want to focus what is not going to change yeah no, no i love that two two yeah. perfect stories um yeah i love yeah. that what stories could you share from your space in the world that speak to where we are as a society with self assurance and self awareness um does anything come to mind don't don't worry if something doesn't mean yeah i mean like the one thing i think that would come to mind right away is just like for covid you know when mm. covid happened it's obviously it's like really it was really horrible and scary at that moment because no one knew what was going to happen but i also think it brought a lot of beautiful change in a lot of people's lives and i'm speaking for myself in particular like i changed so much of my of the course of my life when in that year alone because i was met with this complete presence to just experience you know what am i feeling what is happening it, i realized that it's not so much about what my life is looking like or what's happening it's more about you know what i feel like what what are my desires from here on out and i think covid for example for me like i was still in school bef- like before I, and then i i had graduated from college like right before covid and i that was when i kind of decided to start traveling and teaching full time because i was teaching in in the us still and then i decided to like make it like a i was like let me get out of my comfort zone because i always knew i wanted to travel and teach and then i i took that leap that year and as kranti says just that year so many things came to me like i i got you know i got opportunities to teach in places i never thought i would be able to do and then i started getting jobs paid opportunities i started living in places i never thought i would have ever lived had i not just initially made that first leap of faith mm. and it came from that self awareness realizing that okay something needs to change like i want to be happier i want to live a life that's more authentic to me and and then yeah through that place and also having just trust and faith in the universe and god and trusting that everything that's going to happen i be- like this is what i believe but i think everything is already in a way written you know like no matter how much i try to of course i have the ability and the action to change things and go after things but things are always going to happen the way that they're meant to happen no matter how much control or grip i hold on to things and and i realized that these past 2 3 years as i made that leap to kind of just like go after what i want and it hasn't always been easy and even sometimes i still question it and but at the end of the day it's like i know i have clarity on like what i want and mm. what i need and like yeah. and you know and and it makes it easier having that clarity and that faith and just mm. like trust and 
Yeah. yeah, well, the fact that it's been not easy, like um, it sort of feels comparable to Cranty's stories in a way that, you know, when you were being offered free accommodation but no ability to teach classes at this Colombian prison, you know, a version of you from the past would have, you know, you know, not wanted to contend with that idea at all. You know, it wasn't running, it wasn't making money and whatever, but the peace afforded in that moment and the difficulty of having to cope with it and make sense of it will have then, you know, transcended and, and impacted a load of other circumstances and perspectives in such a positive way, you know? So yeah, definitely. If that's an indication for anybody that they should, um, you know, lean into peace, lean into the difficulty of situations you know, because you never know when they're going to become, you know, transcendent things in in other spaces. You know, it's, it's definitely two nice, uh, somewhat comparable stories there. Um, but yeah, just to check to check in with probably the the last um, kind of spinal kind of question, and it's probably it's low key my favourite one that I ask to anybody. Could you share a technique or activity that someone could try to either dramatically or incrementally improve their self-awareness or self-assurance so i'm gonna start and this is for like get you know people because there's like i can name so many practices and yeah, so yeah, many sure. meditations and things <laughs> but for someone who's like starting off and it's like really scary and intimidating to kind of i would say for me like what helps me a lot is just like journaling and writing things down because a lot of the time we get we're so everything stays in our head and it's really nice to just get it out onto paper so this is like the one thing I would recommend for someone who has no idea where to start and like and they might be thinking oh well what do I write about and it's just like literally taking the thoughts from your head and putting them onto paper Mm. so that way you can see what you're thinking about and it's not there anymore now it's in front of you and it's on paper and that's like I would say the first and probably most clear clear way to get that awareness of course there's like deeper ways but I think that's the first thing that came to mind and that was the first practice that I started aside from like yoga and and meditation was to just journal and write things down and get things from my head and onto paper Mm. yeah no I love that for me I would like to tell you that in uh, Granta's dimension, I thoroughly apply in my own life. Means how the wind is moving constantly, our mind is constantly moving. Okay, mm. constantly. Like, you know, right now I am in Peru, but you don't know where is my mind. Mm. Maybe you're in a, where you are in Argentina. Oh, yeah, right? Buenos Aires, yeah. Okay, but you don't know where's your mind right now. No, Alina is also obviously now we are here. Our mind, I think, I believe we are all are here, but it's not guarantee. It's not a guarantee. So the mind is constantly moving. Mind, it's like a, if you tell something, don't do it. We like to do it, but the sages got invented that controlling mind is the most difficult task. But if you control your breath. You can control your mind easily. You can control the activity of your mind easily. So I like to suggest to control the activity of your mind. If you can control your breath, you can control the activity of your mind. So I like to highly recommend that focus on your breath because the breath is so powerful. And Osho also says, uh, if you change your breath, you can change your mind. And if you change your mind, you can change your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to change your life, focus on your breath. 
So maybe you can just do a simple activity of the breath. And I really highly recommend you. The last time there was one student who told me one app, breath is app. Mm -hmm. And there's a gong, like you inhale in four counts and exhale in. It depends. You can exhale. Either you can follow one is to 1.5, means inhale in four seconds, exhale in six. Mm -hmm. Or one is to ratio is ideal, inhale in four and exhale in six. So you can literally put according to whichever capacity you are. In the beginning, you can go with the one is to 1.5 ratio. Yeah, and then eventually you can go from one is to two. Even you can inhale in four and exhale in eight. But when you master in that, you can inhale in five and exhale in 10. And that gong is really helps to inhale and exhale. And nowadays I do it 10 minutes at least, uh, just the breathing. And I do the holding pranayama 10 minutes. So mm. I do a little bit pranayama practices. Uh, I know how it helps right? scientifically mm. and spiritually and mentally, you know, how it's going to help me a lot. Because end of the day, controlling the activity of the mind is the most important part. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because in your mind, there are so many thoughts are yeah. constantly there. There is no space. Okay? Yeah. No, I um, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, space just, constantly. Yeah. just to pick that apart for, um, for the help of those listening, is that a um, nasal inhale, mouth exhale, or is it both? In and out on the mouth, in and out on the nose. So I like to highly recommend you first inhale with the nose and exhale with the nose. Okay. But if you have some traumas, okay, that time exhaling through the mouth, it really helps. Okay. Okay. But highly I recommend you in the beginning, maybe you can, but eventually you have to start because nose is meant for inhale and exhale. And mouth is meant to talk and eat the food. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, I understand there are many activities really helps if there are so many traumas because you hold it in your hara chakra, which is yeah. in Japanese they play the hara chakra, which is hold it, and that time exhaling with the mouth it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I um I knew very little about breath work before the start of this year, but um read a book when we first started traveling called. <laughs> I'm going to forget what it's called, um, but it's a written by a, a lovely Scottish bloke called Stuart Sanderman, who had a very traumatic event. His girlfriend died of cancer and his mum took him to a breath work session and he was very sceptical. But then from that point, found it, you know, transcendently helpful and, you know, has learned as much as he can and is sharing it with loads of people. And it, yeah, I don't think people appreciate that anywhere near enough. But it's again, like we touched on earlier. You know, people think that the only way they can change their life or mind is by rationally using their conscious mind to try and think about things differently. How, how about you try yeah. sitting still and yeah. breathing for two minutes, you know, in and out. And also, and also like the breath, the pranayama and like asana, which is the physical practice. Those two practices really take us from the like, well, it depends which type, but using pranayama, it takes us from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system, depending on yeah. which type, which type of, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if you're doing that slow breath, like, you know, you're coming into that parasympathetic nervous system, which is that place of rest and digest telling you that you're safe, that you're able to like let go of your guard and to just relax and i think the problem is that so many of the times we're just so often in that sympathetic nervous system just ready to like fight ready to go um 
it's and that's like we're always just using our rational mind so when you use pranayama to slow down your breath slow down the mind you're able to come into that parasympathetic nervous system and when you're in that place of rest and digest it's way easier to observe what thoughts you're hearing what mm. emotions you're feeling because you're you're safe you're calm yeah yeah you're at peace and it's uh... a one thing i like to add sorry i want to really add that in case whenever this is i this for me i'm still learning it so if something happens with me and alina okay when i get some clash with her i have to take a pause i should rather than reacting i should really not to react on that situation wait one day at least 24 hours mm-hmm. and then then automatically that that reaction convert into the response, response mm-hmm. yeah and that i'm still struggling i'm still struggling okay <laughs> I, i really want to say this i don't want, because as i said to you saying sometimes saying is so easy things but following sometimes is really tough but now i'm very mindful and so one episode happened and then i wrote her one message and i just thought i would have to wish i would have to wait more eight hours the same message would have to be different yeah yes, the yeah. same message would be different so i like to highly recommend people whenever you are in this kind of a situation wait 24 hours yeah right because when your breath is changing your thoughts are changing as i said to you that breath is very important so try not to react on the situation and you will sh- sure after 24 hours it depends on the situation or maybe sometimes it's 48 hours was or 72 hours yeah. we are going to respond for sure you create space yes actually, you create a space action response, yes. not like yeah yeah Yeah. And and as a tie back to something we discussed earlier, I did wonder when I asked you about creating the the two week yoga course for the kids that were five and 10, whether you were going to say, you know, oh, we do more breath work because it's such a good tool for hacking your mind mm. and feeling calmer, et cetera, et cetera. And I've got a lovely Instagram video that I sometimes watch just because it's very sweet of this like, I don't know, six year old boy with his three year old brother you know making him calm down by holding his hands and t- 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 helping him breathe because oh, no. he because he knew that he'd been taught he'd been given the tool that if he can control his breath he can control how he feels and he was passing this down to his you know his little toddler brother Yes. Thank okay, you. I like to end this session with Loka Samasta Sukino yes. Bhagwan to chant because we all human beings actually have the problem with our mind. Just imagine we just take out the mind out. We don't have a problem, huh? We don't have a problem. So let's have uh, the peace with everybody and with everybody like with her I should have a peace and let's not to be in this mind, not to be in this thought. constantly which giving us constantly problem so loka samasta sukhino bhavanti all human beings should have a peace and happiness mm-hmm. okay so let's say yeah. and we just say three times om shanti okay okay loka samasta sukhino bhavantu Loka Samasa Sukhino Bhavantu 
Namaste and thank you so Namaste. much. Uh, thank you. That was lovely. <laughs> that was that was really really lovely. You can tell you've done that before. 